Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Talking Takes. Got a good one for you today. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, and joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we're also happy to have a special guest back, as we'll be joined by Josh Lemoyne today. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to suggest to those of you listening that are not already following us on Twitter, please do so, at Talkin' Tigs, uh, no G in Talkin', and also uh, Talking Tigs podcast on Facebook. We are also on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, well, LSU had a bye this week, uh, so no, no game news to report there, uh, but we are not taking a bye uh, and we'll get into uh, you know what happened in on the bye week with the team and also you know around college football and uh, just see what uh, what Josh has to say about these things. But uh, before we get started, I wanted to check in with everybody, see how you guys are doing. Uh, doing great, Scott. Well, glad to be back with another edition of the podcast. You know, like like you said, a bye week for LSU, so no. Uh, Nothing for, nothing for me to, you know, really be invested in as far as my team, but not, not as much sweat either, so didn't have to worry as much, and uh, just got to enjoy, you know, another great week of college football. Yep. Yep, had a good week. Uh, hopefully LSU rested up a little bit during their bye. Got some rest as well, but uh, we don't take days off here, so still coming at you. How about you, uh, Josh? Yeah, I mean, look, there's something to be said about a, a Saturday without without any LSU football, right? It just feels different, you know. I wake up less stressed. I wake up not having to worry about anything. So I just I'm able to sit there and, and watch football and not have to stress about anything. I kinda like that sometimes. No, absolutely. It's it's great when there's no dog in the hunt and you can just uh sit back and, you know, enjoy the enjoy the great play and uh and and just watch it. So as far as um, you know, LSU having a bye week, you know, they, it was pretty much a good week to get healthy, uh, re- rework some things, and uh, you know, they, there's going to be some some lineup changes possibly. You know, we heard uh, Ed Ingram is back, so uh, it's it sounds like he you know he's going to play uh, this upcoming week at Utah State. I don't know if he's going to start yet, but uh, just want to get uh, you know your thoughts on that or what you think, you know, how that. That might change things. I mean, the offense is kind of humming along as is. So, uh, is this going to be like a, a, a take it to a different level, or just maybe have some stability on the line finally? Look, when you, when you look at the situation with Ed, um, you know, if if you read some of the court documents and everything that went on with that situation, uh, it's it, it goes pretty far back and pretty deep. So, you know, um, you know that's one side of it. If you if you want to go read up on that, you can. I like to stick to the football side of it, you know. Uh, so uh, as far as the football side of it, if you don't know much about Ed Ingram, started as a true freshman in the SEC, uh, he was extremely, extremely good. He was a dominant guard in the SEC as a true freshman, uh, and he, he's an NFL guy. You know, um, not everybody on LSU's line is going to play in the NFL. Ed, as long as he can stay clean and, 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 and no trouble, Ed's going to play in the NFL. Um, so with LSU's getting, it looks like Adrian McGee is going to go ahead and start against Utah State. Coach O said uh, Adrian will go ahead and continue to start until he thinks Ed has taken the job from him, or maybe he, he won't start. My personal opinion, Ed Ingram's going to be the starting left guard against Florida. Um, I think they're going to work him in against Utah State, um, and I think just think Coach O can't come out there and say that publicly, but he's that good. You put Ed at left guard, Damian Lewis at right, right guard, Cush at center, you probably, you have arguably the best interior offensive line 
in America. I mean, it's he's that much of an upgrade. He's an NFL guy. Uh, so that's that's a plus for LSU. Yeah, definitely a huge plus. And uh, I remember, you know, from your coverage before um, before the season and talking about uh, talking about recruiting going into this season that, you know, you said uh, LSU needed that, you know, real NFL caliber athletic line to run the new offense. So definitely a huge, uh, a huge improvement and not something you see that often in college football of like almost a, almost like a free agent acquisition, even though of course he was on, he's, you know, he's an LSU player, but it's interesting to have, have a, a, you know, day one ready caliber player like Ed Ingram coming in a quarter of the way down in the season. Yeah, not to uh, kind of transition too hard, but with him coming, uh, there was a little bit of rumors this week about a player going with Miles Brennan. People were saying he might be heading out of LSU because he missed practice on uh, Monday and Tuesday and then kind of tweeted out, I think, on Wednesday that he said, breaking news, I'm not transferring, never have thought about it, and don't see myself doing so. But I just wanted to see if anybody had any thoughts on that. Like, I guess, you know, with Joe Burrow being so dominant, Miles is kind of thinking he may finally have the time to shine in the offense and getting that taken away from him. But I think it's good that he's at least right now showing face that he's committed to the future of the program. Yeah. As far as the miles Brennan situation goes, uh, I think at this point he's, he's making the best decision for, you know, for him, his family, you know, whoever's involved uh, just looking at Miles's play and just being honest that um, he hasn't, you know, I was a Miles guy coming out of high school. Let me say this. I was a big Tom Brandon guy. I lived in Mississippi. I got to watch him play a lot of football. Um, he threw the ball He threw the ball around the yard. It was a lower-level class of, of high schools he was playing against. But his release, he has a cannon. Um, hasn't quite transferred to the college level yet like I would like to see. He's still a little erratic. We, know, we all know he had trouble with the weight gain. Um, I want to see some more consistency because it's obviously a drop-off when he comes into the game. I do hear the point of it. It's just, oh, he's playing with the backups. He's playing with the second string. Look, at the end of the day, you got to be able to move the ball against Vanderbilt. Can't throw pick sixes. You know, I mean, it's just uh, I do like Miles. I think he's going to be a, a good quarterback for LSU. Um, I'm just, I, And I know he's not quite pleased with his play yet. So what would you say the odds are maybe a Miles Brennan starting – week one next season is it 100 percent is it like 50 percent i mean obviously we got peter Parrish behind him but maybe somebody else entirely or miles brennan look from what uh the sources that that i talked to about peter Parrish, they love peter Parrish. he's a jalen hurts just hasn't quite honed in on the on the passing skills yet and that's going to come with reps right it's going to come with time so um i think right now you know it's miles's job to lose but watch Coach O's body language when he talks about Miles. Watch how he he loves Miles, but it's almost like the same aspect that I'm saying. It's like I just need him to get over that hump. We can't quite get him there. It's it's like he's he's running into a wall every time he goes out there. Um, and if Peter Parrish is the better quarterback to play, it might be. Don't sit on T.J. Finley, six mm-hmm. foot eight, two hundred and forty five pound kid um, that can just flat out throw the football. So he can come out there and compete as well. So there's going to be some competition. LSU is going to have a team next year that can challenge for a national championship. And if Miles Brennan is not the guy, well, Coach O is going to have to move to the next guy because we're talented enough to win the national championship next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so going off of that, um, it's, it seems like, and we talked about this last week a little bit, uh, you know, Joe Mm -hmm. Burrow, I think is definitely a a quarterback that can, that can take this team there, you know, remains to be seen the rest of this season. But, you know, after this year, he's gone. And, you know, it's happened before where LSU has had some success with, 
transfer QBs. But you know, once their their time was up, you know, there was no one behind them. But then you have teams like Ohio State that are three deep. Uh, Alabama has been deep. USC, you know, they've gone through their third uh, this year, and each, these guys have showed out each time. So, right. uh, it, oh, should we be able to trust that LSU, like Coach O, is uh, not doing what? Les Miles did in not developing that next QB instead of just, you know, waiting for someone to be Johnny on the spot? You know, it. I would say that there should be some slight concern if we didn't see what's happening this year. Like under Joe Brady, we brought him in. Coach O knows his strength isn't the quarterback, and that's just not his background. It's defense, defensive line. That's who. That's where he likes to be. He likes to teach. But it's obvious that he brought in Joe Brady and look at the offense. You know, look at the, the current starting quarterback, Joe. He's throwing the ball all over the field. Um, I would have been a little concerned if we didn't quite see an upgrade or an uptick in this year. Obviously, we had the number one offense in America. So I, I, I got, just got a feeling these guys have, you know, they've honed in. They've, they've figured out the situation. And, look, whoever that is is going to get uh, an amazing coordinator next year, even that's Brady or Coach Ensminger. Um, I'd be interested to see what a kid like T.J. Finley could do in his offense with a guy like Brady teaching him. No, absolutely. Um, one question, a general question that I have kind of about just the, the nature of recruiting and quarterbacks and kind of ha- retaining that talent is so, you know, you have a guy in Peter Parrish who comes in last year, and he was pretty, you know, he's pretty highly touted. He's not a scrub. You know, he was a highly touted quarterback right, right, out of right. Alabama. And then right, right behind him you have both uh, T.J. Finley and Max Johnson – as you know, potential LSU quarterbacks in the future, and you see this with with other programs. It's not you know unique to LSU, um, but how does a how does a team and how does a program balance all of these highly touted players in a position like quarterback, where you know it's not like a running back where you can have running back by committee. You can have multiple touches. So how do you? I wonder you know, and and you'll know this more than more than most is, you know, it it seems like it'd be an uh, like a a delicate balance for. Coach O and the LSU program at large to, to balance having, you know, T.J. Finley, you're our, you're our guy. Oh, Max Johnson, you know, you might be our guy. Peter Paris, you're sitting the bench right now, but you could be our guy. Yeah, look, we've seen it last year, right? Coach O came in, you had Justin McMillan, you hit, you know, Narcisse. You bring in a transfer from Ohio State, and pretty much he beats them all out, and they all transfer out. Right, so it is. It's very, it's very touchy. You gotta, you know, it's it's one of them things that if you're gonna make that decision, you gotta make sure that he's the guy. Obviously, Coach O made the right decision. You know, I mean, but that doesn't always happen, especially with the transfer portal now. As we all know, that a lot we see a lot of these kids that are, you know, heading off from from one school to the next. Man, if you tune into all these games like we were watching yesterday, how many quarterbacks? you know, played on a different school or was at, at another program last year. Now they're playing yeah. at Ball State. Now they're playing at all over. I mean, it's almost hard to keep up with these kids now. Uh, so, yeah, it's – this is what I'll say about it. If Peter Parrish is a capable quarterback and he can play, uh, but T.J. Finley comes in and he's all-world, Peter might transfer out. It's not that Peter can't play. It's just you, you got to go with one guy. And now yeah. T.J.'s going to have at least three years to play. Then you got a guy like Paris who says, look, I can play in the SEC or I can play in the Sun Belt or wherever that is. I'm not going to sit the bench for three years. So it's, it's a delicate balance. But, you know, you gotta, you got to go with your guy, and that's what Coach O did with, with Joe, and it's worked out for LSU. Yes, yep. definitely. Yeah, those are some good points. So I want to talk about kind of what else happened in college football this week. we got a new number one, Alabama 
jumped over Clemson, deservedly so, because Clemson, uh, if nobody saw, barely escaped against North Carolina, who right. tried to uh, attempt a two-point conversion to win the game was at the very end and missed it, so Clemson won 21-20, but Alabama pretty much dominated Ole Miss. And then uh, Ohio State actually jumped LSU to go to number four in the poll. LSU was sitting at five. But, uh, again, not too huge upsets this week. Um, some other big things, Auburn and Florida both looking good, setting up a big showdown this week. I don't know if, if you all have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, one, you know, Clemson I was clearly exposed last night against a, a North Carolina team that's it's a good team. I like Mac Brown there. I think they're making a lot of good improvements, but they're not they're not a team that should be should be taken taking the number one team in the nation to you know the final play. I think I think everybody would agree with me on that. Um, so that's a, you know I think that's a big even though it's a win for Clemson, it's not a good win. And then uh, Auburn Auburn looks really good. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Auburn, Josh. And then finally, also you know you're a Mississippi guy and you watch a lot of Mississippi football. I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, John Reese Plumley because I thought he looked I thought he looked very very good for Ole Miss. Yeah. So um, first about Plumley, yeah, I got to watch him play numerous games in high school um, last year, and he's he's kind of a wild man, right? I, when I watched him play, he's like a mix between Johnny Manziel and a Brett Favre. That's kind of who he is. Um, but you've seen it in that game. If you would put him on a you know a team that's got a little bit more talent than Ole Miss. He he could be effective. I like him. I think yeah. he would, he's what Ole Miss he's what Ole Miss needs right now because Ole Miss don't have a lot of talent around him. So he you know he can run, he can make plays with his, his feet. If they can get some talent around him, you know Ole Miss down the road might might have a little something. I do. I like him as a player. Uh, you know, and just the landscape of of college football and how it's changed this this past week. Um, Auburn looks good. I, I tweeted something out last night that, that I wasn't expecting Auburn to look this good. I don't think there was anybody that really had them, you know, competing and looking like this. Uh, they go out and get a top-ranked quarterback in the state of Alabama. Bo Nix, you know, so far he showed up. He's, he's made some nice throws. He's made some big plays. Uh, I still want to see them. Next week is going to be a, a good challenge. He's still a freshman. I want to see him with – Florida's got an extremely good front seven. I want to see how he plays with – NFL-type guys in his face. I think that's where we're going to see, okay, is he really a stud freshman like Trevor Lawrence, or is he, you know, he's still not quite there yet to play at the elite level. So that'll be a fun game. Yeah, definitely. That's, I think everyone's got that one circled on their, uh, on their calendars, especially after, after his, the Auburn performance against Mississippi State yesterday. And right. uh, uh, one thing that I, with A&M, you know, narrowly escaping uh, against Arkansas and you know, after the kind of disappointing start that they've had, uh, what would and I know I saw you tweet. I think it was yesterday. I think it was last night. You tweeted that uh, LSU, LSU, you know, should be should be rest assured that they made the right pick with Coach O and not the seven uh, seventy five right. million dollar man. So, right, could you right. talk a little bit about A and M and kind of you know is uh, what's what's going on with Jimbo Fisher and and uh, everybody up in College Station? You know. You know, I'm not sure how old all you guys are. So, but, you know, Jimbo was the offensive coordinator for LSU years back, so he's got ties here. Um, we know he can coach up offense. We've seen what he did uh, at Florida State, uh, you know, brought him to a national championship. Uh, what spooks me about Jimbo Fisher is what happened at Florida State it's, and then what's happening kind of at Texas A&M. It almost looks eerie similar to what happened is that it, he, he led everything at Florida State 
it kind of got out of hand. Like, if you guys remember what happened last year, you've seen sidelines. The guys were quitting. Like, they didn't even want to play for him anymore. It was, it was embarrassing. And he jumped ship, went to Texas A&M, uh, you know, got paid a lot of money to do it. Um, and it's almost like I'm watching that happen again slowly. It, this team should have taken a step forward. It's almost like they took a step back this year. They have yeah. the talent. They've recruited well. Jimbo can recruit. Um, he can coach up the offense. It's just almost like he doesn't have that Coach O thing, that a leader of men, right? Can, you, know, you, know, you know what we got? We got a lot of kids that come from lower incomes. Some kids got a lot of money. Just coach O can wrap his arms around a lot of these guys as a father figure. Jimbo kind of struggles with that. Remember with him at Jameis at Florida State, Jameis got in all this trouble. It's just like wherever he kind of goes, it, it kind of seems to be the issue. Uh, so, I'm, you know, a- A&M just don't look like they have that, that edge like they kind of did last year. Uh, it's just going to be it's going to be interesting to watch the rest of the season. I, I just watching them against Arkansas, and I watched the Arkansas game the previous week against San Jose State. That's not a good football team. That's no, not, not a good football team at all. And if for A and M to be there, you know, really should have lost that game. You know, it, it, if I was an A and M fan, I'd be concerned. Yeah, definitely. And I think that I think that you know, you talk you talk about Jimbo and his problems with you know not being able to keep. Uh, keep a good hold of the program and kind of, you know, running it off the rails after a couple of years of being there kind of reminds me of the, the complaints that people have had about Urban Meyer, where he's a great coach and he can, he can definitely coach offense. He can definitely, uh, you know, develop winning programs, but there, it always towards the end of his tenure, it always ends up where there's scandal and there's, you know, locker room issues and player issues. And then he conveniently gets sick or retires or wants to spend time with family. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, no, I would agree. But, you know, one thing for Jimbo, he's never had it quite like Urban. I think, you know, that's another whole conversation with Urban Meyer. I'm not a big fan of Urban Meyer. I just, as a, the man he is, I think I'm just not a big fan of it. You know, Jimbo's never been yeah. to that, to that. No, level, I, I, you know, not, no, you know, I, I, yeah, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean like the, this, the, that the person was the same, but more of just the, 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 uh, yeah. pattern. Right, right. No, absolutely. And I, it's, it's just something to keep an eye on. He, you know, we, we might, the next four weeks, they, they might go undefeated, but their schedule's tough, tough this week. I think they got, they got bye week and they got Alabama coming up next. So that's going to be a tough game. More than likely, that's going to be a loss. You know, Texas A&M and the Boosters, as we know, they, they got a lot of money, okay? So, you, you know, they, they don't want to go 6-6. Six and six. They don't want to 7-5. That's not why they paid him all that money. Um, but to keep this in mind, the athletic director that paid him and signed off on the $75 million is now the athletic director at LSU. It's just one of them little, you know, plot twist things there to think about. Yeah, it almost makes you think, was that all part of the plan, to saddle him down <laughs> with, uh, right. saddle down with, right. with Jimbo and then make, the, make it a speedy exit? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Scott Woodward, the mole. That's, yeah. that's a good story. Right. Um, so ha- having said that, um, just looking around the, you know, the SEC, we can kind of tell A&M's not there. I don't know if there's anyone in the East besides Georgia. You know, Florida looks pretty good, but uh, I think their schedule has favored them thus far. Um, but looking at, the, uh, looking at the West, I don't think there's a team that I, I could say LSU can't beat. You know, in the last few years, I would say, yeah, probably Alabama. But, you know, as, you know if LSU can – stop them on some drives, I think it's something that they can be. And, you know, what happened with North Carolina against Clemson, you know, they're mm-hmm. not the world beaters they were last year. Clemson isn't. So just looking around the landscape, I don't see a team that, you know, it's LSU would definitely have a loss to. Now it just remains to be seen 
if they can win out because right. you know they, they have their issues like every other team. But um, looking down the road, uh, I just don't think there's this definite loss on the prog- on the schedule you know, like as we've seen in years past. At least that's how I feel. Um, I yeah. mean, the offense is finally where everyone wanted it to be for years. Mm-hmm. So with that in place, that's why I feel like there's not a team that they are definitely going to lose to. Uh, so what? How, how would you, uh, you know, how, how would you respond to that as far as you know what what LSU's possibilities are now that they have this number one offense? No, I, I think you're you're spot on with that. What the offense does, it allows you to be in every game, right? So now we can look at the schedule and say, oh gosh, we got Alabama. We have no chance to win. You know what I mean? Like in some of these last few years, um, and we didn't score a point last year, right? So, but now you look at this offense and you say, hey. We might not win it, but we know at least our offense is going to give us a chance to be in the game in the fourth quarter. You know, we know we can go out there and score points. That's really all you're asking for at the end of the day. Uh, when you look at Alabama, I broke down some of the film against Ole Miss. Yeah, they, you know, they scored 60-something against Ole Miss. Ole Miss ended up scoring 31. Ole Miss rushed almost 300 yards against Alabama. Something, uh-huh. to, keep, you know, something to look at. Believe me, LSU is going to look at that, that film and how they did that. Uh, the quarterback for Ole Miss, like we had mentioned earlier, freshman, but he's, you know, he's a good runner. He's a Johnny Manziel-type guy. He did a lot of QB runs yesterday, and he, he made a lot of yards against that Alabama defense. They're talented, but they have a lot of injuries right now. You've got a lot of freshman guys playing linebacker. Uh, so it's, it's just a, it's a good opportunity this year with this offense for LSU. You know, if you're looking for a year to pick that maybe LSU can, can catch these guys, it might be this year. It's just when they got to go up to Alabama and play, it just makes it, it just makes it a little bit tougher. I wish LSU was playing playing that game at, at home. Yeah, do you all want to give some kind of third of the way through the season predictions as far as who you think the top four or the four playoff teams will be? I know I got mine right now. Let's hear them. Okay. So, I mean, it might be kind of a bummer, but I think it's going to be in order. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. Ohio State and Oklahoma have just been – both teams have been like on a mission with Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts, uh, and then like Clemson, they had the narrow escape this week, but their schedule's so weak. So if they went out, then you got to let them in. And Alabama is looking like their usual juggernaut self. So obviously, teams like Georgia and LSU, Auburn can spoil that, and and I hope they do. LSU gets in there, and they obviously can with a loss to Alabama as long as some kind of chaos happens around them. But that's who I have to roll with for now. And I don't think a lot of people were high on Ohio State coming into the season. People are thinking maybe more Michigan or even Penn State could win in the uh, the Big Ten, but they just looks like uh, something else, really, with Justin Fields running that offense. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that they're so I, I, not to put a damper on your on on your say on your little uh, you know toss it over, but there's so much uncertainty right now, where especially in the West, like we talked about. There are a lot of good-looking teams. Auburn looks I, – I was, I was very impressed with Auburn and Bo Nix yesterday, like we said, and then, of course, you know, impressed with Alabama. Um, so I think that the West is – and, and, I, and I'm, obviously we've been impressed with LSU, and, you know, I don't think there's a – like you said, any, any day I think LSU can play with anybody in, in college football. Um, you know, I expect there to be a shootout in, on, uh, on November 9th when Alabama go- – I mean, when LSU goes to Tuscaloosa. I expect a really good game against uh, Auburn. So, you know, I think if uh, if LSU um, if LSU, I think LSU has the has can easily has the possibility to win out and and make the playoff. But also, I, I we talked about it before on this podcast, and I still think LSU as a one loss SEC team can make the playoff. 
um, you might need a little help from, uh, from you know, Texas, because I could see, uh, you know, Oklahoma looks really good, and I watched Oklahoma play yesterday against Texas Tech, but, um, you know, I could see them maybe, maybe losing one to Texas, and then it ends up where you have a, a, a one-loss Big 12 um, champion or, or a, a Big 12 champion in, like, a Texas where they lose, uh, or where they, yeah, where they lose to Oklahoma, and then, you know, to where it could be that LSU sneaks in in the end as a number four, um, you know, if they are a one-loss team. So there's still a lot of time and a lot of games to be played. Uh, but, I, I, you know, generally I would agree that, uh, that Ohio State looks very, very good, and Justin Fields is, is looking stellar, and then the usual suspects are up there as well. I, I think it's going to be uh, another one of those chaotic years, kind of like that last year of the BCS, which kind of prompted the, the push to the playoff. Because you know they they got this playoff of four so that it wasn't just whittled down to two, and you know humans were deciding which were the two best teams instead of some computer metric. But I think this year it's ripe for a bunch of one-loss teams. Because if you think about it, uh, let's say LSU beats everyone except Alabama or some other team. As of now, I think they have the best you know road win, and they could not go to the SEC championship game, but sit there with one loss right on the outside. And if Georgia goes undefeated but loses in the SEC championship game to Alabama, you know, then you got three one-loss SEC teams right there. Then, I don't know, Clemson almost lost North Carolina. You know, I think they, they could have an upset, but you know, would they still make it in? Then you'd have Oklahoma like you're talking about or Ohio State. So uh, I think anyone can have a loss, but I think it will be – insane with let's say like five or six one loss teams so I don't know I'm just for the sake of the argument I will say SEC gets two in maybe Bama or Georgia and LSU then either uh, I'd hate to say Clemson because it's they have such an easy path but Clemson or Ohio State I think Texas could beat Oklahoma and then you know I don't think how you could put Texas or Oklahoma above LSU since LSU beat Texas yeah, that, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the, the the theory that I'm working off of as far as you know if LSU is still a one-loss team, where if the if if we can get a little help from from Texas to bloody up an Oklahoma team or you know I think I think you're right I think this is the year where a lot of dinged up one-loss teams who who beat each other and then they beat somebody and you know it strengthen where it can strengthen their maybe strengthen your loss or or degrade one of, one of a, a team's wins. Where, like you said, we can get a lot of one-loss teams in the playoff, which I guess is what you know, kind of the point of this playoff was, is where you don't have to be the undefeated, you know, BCS, what we you know, number one, number two, undefeated teams to get in. Yeah. What say you, Josh? Yeah. Look, this is this kind of brings up the conversation I had yesterday uh, with some individuals that it would be nice if we could stretch this playoff to like eight, right? I mean, I just look at it as. We're arguing about about four, who should be in, but at the end of the day, it would be really nice if we could see Ohio State play Oklahoma, LSU play Georgia. You know, that's just yeah. They, I, I would like to see. Now, I'm not one of these guys that like to see it like an NCAA tournament or anything with football, but I think maybe eight or maybe twelve or something like that. Because there's there's probably about eight really good teams in America right now, and I'd like to see them play against each other. You know, and here we are. We got to keep somebody out. Uh, you know, but it's kind of early in the season for me to make a, a prediction on it. I, I really, really like what Ohio State has with Justin Fields. Got to watch Justin quite a bit in high school. Uh, he was, he's an elite athlete. He got a lot of slack from a lot of Georgia fans. He didn't look great, but you know, 
I said it when he was there. He, he needs to get more into a spread-type offense like an Oklahoma runs, like an Ohio State runs. And, I mean, he looks all-world. You get to see all his talents on display. Uh, you know, and then Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts, he fits that offense. That's two teams. It's just gonna, to me, it's going to be hard to keep them two out because it just the, the level of competition they're going against is just so much lower than, you know, going against playing in the SEC. It just, it just is. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think two SEC teams get in. I think it's going to be – I think Georgia ultimately gets in, and whoever wins the game – against LSU and Alabama, I think that team's going to get in. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah, you know, one question that I have, um, just so I've watched a lot of Oklahoma play. I've obviously watched a lot of Alabama play. And, you know, two is great. Yeah, I think he's a top top talent and, and, you know, it goes without being said. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts looks scary good this year. And it makes me think, was he, you know, is this, is that a product of Lincoln Riley and his, you know, to two year in a row Heisman quarterback system, um, or is Jalen Hurts that good and he was just underutilized at Alabama? Because this this Jalen Hurts we see with Oklahoma is not, and then of course, like you said, it's also the competition, I guess. But yeah. um, you know, this is not the Jalen Hurts that you saw that almost lost the national, or that basically lost the national championship, and you know, to a snatched uh, victory out of the jaws of defeat, um, right. and you know, two years ago. So, what's your take on on Jalen Hurts? I think it's a combination of both, right? I think the, the, the coach's system that is there is extremely well, and it works great in that conference. Because um, look at the quarterbacks that came behind him, right? A Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. I mean, look, look. You know, now it's now it's it's hurts. It's it's you know it's it, all these these different athletes, kind of the same results. So we know that the product that the coach puts out there, uh, we know that the play calling he puts out there, it works. But honestly, if you hold you know holding me down, I had to make one comment about it. The competition level is is, is much lower. You're mm-hmm. seeing a, a quality SEC quarterback who won quite a bit of games at Alabama. I think only lost two games as a starting quarterback at Bama. You're seeing that quality of athlete thrown into that conference, and he looks like a I mean all world. You know, oh my, geez, you know like, yeah. what is he doing? You know, so, looks like a video um, game. Exactly, and th- if you watch the Texas Tech tackling yesterday, I had to stop watching it. That's how bad it was. I mean, that was some of the worst tackling I think I've ever seen. Uh, so, uh, yeah. it, it's, I think to me it's more of the level of competition is why he, he, he's showing out like that. Yeah, well, and it, it good for him too because I, I like Jalen Hurts as a guy, so yep, I'm happy guy. to see really him have success. Um, so one, one question, talking about kind of transitioning back to LSU and kind of looking toward the future, I saw that um, they're, they're thinking about putting Christian Fulton as a nickel back and then moving uh, and then starting Cordell Flott as a quarterback, mm-hmm. I guess, when they're in that package. Could you talk a little bit about that? I know that we've had, well, as we've watched Christian Fulton play this year, um, I think he's left a little bit to be desired. Um, and, you know, it might just be he's not in the, in the best position to succeed and they feel like he might, you know, do better as a nickel back. Um, could you talk a little bit about that and then maybe about the, the secondary in general? Because I think a lot of LSU fans are a little bit concerned. Yeah, you know, when you look at that, Cordell Flott, if you, if you don't know much about him, uh, cornerback out of the Mobile, Alabama area, tall, taller cornerback, you know, uh, long, athletic. Uh, I got to watch him play. I got to watch him play numerous times. He's a really good athlete, uh, you know, great hips. And I just think – LSU and Coach O see that at practice, and he just when, when you match him up against the outside receivers, 
he's just going to compete a little better because of his height. Um, he's long and athletic, kind of like Derek Stingley, you know, a little bit taller, a little bit stronger, a little bit longer. I mean, he's just, it matches up well. Now, for Fulton, if you look at the scouts and where they had him at, they had him as a top 20 guy, in this, and he's a first-round cornerback. Now, kind of like a Dante Jackson, you see kind of he, he, he's found his niche in the NFL. Fulton's going to do, I think he'll do really well covering the slot guy because he's not quite as tall, but his hips are great. He's fast. He's, he's quick. He's more quick than fast. So I think he, that's, to me, it's a good move. It, it, it kind of it just needed to happen. I think if LSU is going to, he's going to, they're going to challenge for a national championship or beat Alabama. You'd rather have two cornerbacks on the outside that got a, a little bit more hype to him, a little more athletic, um, and Chris is a little more compact, a little bit shorter, um, has quick feet. So I think Coach O knows. Look, Coach O knows that when he faces Alabama, at the end of the day, they're prepping themselves for that game. That look, Alabama's wide receivers are fast, tall athletic we've seen what they did yesterday it was unreal so yeah, if i can get another guy on the field like cordell flott who kind of matches up well against that and they can't quite use their height you know against like they would against fulton we've seen fulton get beat a few times just because of that aspect he's a little bit shorter uh so look coach oj's trying to put his his best guys on the field it's all he's trying yeah. to do so when he matches up against a florida and alabama you know he puts himself in a, a better a better situation to win and i think i mean after watching alabama play yesterday with some just absolute unreal uh, wide receiver play, like you, like right. you mentioned, you know, having yeah. having more DBs on the field is going to be key for LSU to uh, to be able to compete in that game. Because I mean, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big even though I'm not an I'm not a Bama fan by any means. I'm a big Jerry Judy fan. I mean, that guy is mm-hmm. an absolute beast. And mm-hmm. to be able to to be able to compete with him, and then also Henry Ruggs and uh, Devontae Smith. I mean, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an undertaking for for DBU. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, Coach O looks at it at, at, from this aspect, right? Let's get let's get Cordell Flott reps on the field now against Utah State, against you know, but before we get to Alabama, let's not toss him out there. You know, first game he's got to cover, like you said, a Devontae Smith, a Henry Ruggs. First time he's seen real live game action and a lot of snaps. So I think they're doing the right thing. They're trying to position themselves for the long term of the season. Uh, as far as the secondary goes, we just got to be patient. Uh, that Stingley's still young. You know, these guys, we got some young cornerbacks. But when you break down the film, Stingley is, like I, I've said this before, I'm not sure if I said it on the show here, that when you break down his high school film, he's the best secondary cornerback player I've witnessed until I went back and more like the Charles Woodson and Sean, Sean Taylor days. Uh, he's just, and he's lived up to it. I mean, he's just a freak of a talent. Um, and he's, every week you see him, he's growing and growing. So we just need to be patient. I'm more worried about the tackling. Yeah. Guys on the back side, they need to tackle better. You know, we got, you know, that's our leaders in the back with Grant and them guys back there playing safety. Vincent, they need to tackle better, and that shouldn't be happening with guys that are juniors. Yeah, you know, I I, I watched, uh, I I saw uh, Grant Delpit, and uh, he was, you know, he's making, he's in the right places. Um, in fact, he's a wrap he up. Help, he needs to wrap up. It almost seems like he's there just a step too quick. I know that there was one when I was watching. We were watching the Texas game. Me and Daniel were together, and there was one play where he he busted the play up. I think it was like a little screen pass to a slot receiver yep, or something yep. like that. I know what play you're talking about. He's yeah. right there, and he's a step too quick. And I know that you know they talk about that is you know timing is is a lot is you know if you do get there too quick, it's not going to work. And so I don't know if that's you know it's it's early in the season. He's got just got to get his sea legs you know back in the swing of uh, of play. But you know I think you're definitely right that. Um, you know, we do need to be patient, 
but the tackling it, it does need to be improved, especially from from uh, you know our, our all American all American safety. Right. Yeah. yeah. Him, you know, you look at Grant. You look at Grant as far as his tackling goes. That's which is kind of weird. Him being, you know, I just it's not something we we ever really talked about. He just needs to wrap up. He'll be fine. He'll be yeah. fine. And uh, Kerry Vincent, looking at him, a couple of times he got beat in the open field. It was just atrocious tackling, and it just they just they need to work on that. And Coach O honed in on that this week and said that, you know, they've really focused on going back to, you know, going to the basics and focusing on tackling. Now, kind of to go off, off that, one question I do have about, and we've talked about it on this podcast a little bit, is, and it's more of a, you know, a kind of a rhetorical question. I don't know if there's an answer or not, but is the, is the defensive production that we're seeing a, a, a result, is this the new LSU? You know what I mean? Are we going to be – is this what we're, we need to get more accustomed to? Because when you watch Alabama play or you watch Oklahoma play or you watch some of these other teams play, you know, they are, they are gonna, they're going to let them put up 20, 30, even 40 points. But they're going to beat them by 30. And, you know, we're beating everybody handily, um, but our defense has given up. So is it more of a result of the defense is just on the field more because we're because our our offensive possessions are so quick and we just you know throw a dagger and it's and it's all right time to get get the D on the field, or you know are there are there some some areas that really do need to be you know shaped up obviously like we talked about with the tackling and all of that but do you think that at, going forward we need to kind of be more accustomed to uh, you know more more points being put up by the other team. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's going to come with the territory, and, and a lot of LSU fans are like, "Oh goodness, Vanderbilt scored thirty something on us." This is, but go back. I've said this on all the shows. Go back and watch the Oregon Ducks in the early two thousand, the mid two thousand under Chip Kelly. That's kind of where we're at, right? When when they started to, to win games by forty and fifty points and put up all these wild numbers, running a spread attack like we have now, that the defense was giving up some, you know, some bad numbers when you look at it. But what happened is Chip Kelly learned as the years went on that he had a con- his defense wasn't prepared to come back on the field within 30 seconds or a minute because they were scoring so quick. So as the years went on, he, you know, he, he built his defense in the offseason. They ran a little more. They worked more on the stuff that they knew they would see during the season. Um, so I think that's definitely a big part of it. That Coach O, if you listen to his press conferences after the first couple of weeks, he could just tell that his guys on defense were, you know, they were winded but they had to go right back out. So you, you, now you hear them talking about having more of a, a rotation with guys, working on getting our number twos out there to give some of these guys some rest. So when you look at it, I think that's the problem. The LSU is going to have to adjust the defensive concept that, hey, the offense in Joe is only going to be out there for one minute. What are we going to do? In Oregon, if you go back and do some research with those guys, they completely changed the mindset on defense. They had people – ready on the sideline to give them guys water, you know, rest, fans. They completely had to change the concept of defense. I think that's where LSU is going to have to start looking. And O did mention that, that, look, we're going to have to look at other ways to let our guys get a breather since the offense is scoring so fast. Yeah, definitely. It makes sense. And uh, mm-hmm. I've watched, I've watched, uh, I've watched like way back, you know, uh, the little Michael James days, those days I remember watching yep. Oregon's yep. Pre, um, preseason kind of ESPN insider thing, and they, they, you yep. know, they showed practice and the kind of exactly what you talked about. They had a whole process of this is you know, our speed and we keep it up and everybody's running on and off the field and the hydration. And then I, I remember Alabama um, did something like that, uh, gosh, a, a couple years ago as well, and they, you know, I think they called it like fourth quarter protocol or something like that. But, um, 
Where so yeah, it's definitely something that I'm glad that LSU is probably going to add in, and it, it's definitely going to be more of a um, more of a factor as we get more into that spread offense. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mentioned it a few weeks ago on uh, one of the other podcasts or media radio show, and I won't say any names or anything, but I did get a a, a message from someone that said, "Hey, where did you look at? The, hey, where did you look at that Oregon stuff and how how they you know how they go about it?" I won't say if it was on the program or not, but. Somebody heard me mention that, and I think they went and took a look at how did Oregon prepare their defense when they swapped to a spread. So let's just say I think the program knows that they got to change a few things up. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of going off that, I, I did talk to a guy um, within the defensive side of the program, and, you know, he, he, he it was uh, in a class, and he uh, was joking with another, with another guy talking about, oh, you know, oh, what's happened? What's happened? I don't know. And he's like, just, just calm down. We got it. It's going to be all right. You right. Know, we're, it's, yep. it's an adjustment. It's week three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, it, it is something to look forward to because, you know, once you get to the meat of the SEC schedule, you're going to be facing Auburn and Alabama and have to stop that. I'm not as worried as much about Texas A&M, uh, but uh, – I think Florida would be their next true test, but you know I don't think they should look too far ahead because uh, you know Utah State will be coming into town next week, and they are no slouch on offense themselves, um, especially with their their quarterback Jordan Love. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, them coming to town next week and and what you think that'll look like. So you know when you look at Jordan Love, uh, I got to, I watched Utah State last night against Colorado State. It's twofold with, with Utah State. Jordan Love is a, is a first-round quarterback. He can make every throw on the field. Uh, he's, he's tall. He's athletic. He reminds me of, of, of Colin Kaepernick as far as his build, his athleticism. That's who he reminds me of. He's a much better thrower of the football than, than Colin was at this stage of his career. Uh, he's really compact for as tall as he is and as long as he is. The ball comes out of his hand extremely quick. He, he throws the ball really compact. Uh, and he can make any throw. Now, with that being said, that the defense for Utah State isn't it's, – it's not a very good defense. So LSU shouldn't have no problem, you know, putting up – I don't like throwing up crazy numbers because I'm just not, still not used to that covering LSU. You know, they should be able to put up some high numbers against this, this <laughs> defense. It shouldn't be a problem uh, as far as that goes. Uh, they just don't – their size as far as how they match up on the defensive line, the linebackers. If you, I've watched, I think, five or six Utah State games now. They just – they just don't match up well as far as LSU goes with the size. Their linebackers are smaller. The defensive lines only range at about 250 to 265 pounds. It's just, it's just a smaller guy. LSU should have no problem moving the football. Where I, what I really want to see is we, we mentioned the secondary. These guys are going to get a great test before they head into SEC play. We're going to get a, a real good look at, hey, do we really have a problem in the secondary? Do these guys are just – are they still too young? <clears throat> you know, they don't quite have it yet. Or is it just a product of, of the new offense? So we're going to find out with Jordan Love throwing the football because he can throw it all over the field, and he should be off the board in the draft. Top 15, I would say he, he don't get anywhere under 20. <clears throat> yeah, those are good points. If, if I had to give a prediction, yeah, LSU uh, is probably just going to overmatch Utah State, even though they do have, have some athletes, I'm thinking somewhere like 52-17 maybe. But, uh, yeah, like you said, just – for Dave Aranda to get his alignments and stuff all sorted out, and plus some of those right. guys uh, like Cordell Flott, that little bit of extra experience before we go into the meat grinder here with Florida and then Auburn and then the big games the next few weeks after that. 
So just kind of get all our ducks in a row, make sure we kind of understand really where we're at, and then uh, give everybody a few touches, and then just shape it up and roll on to the week after that. Yeah, I think it's the perfect test. I think this is the perfect program and test for LSU's defense uh, before we start SEC play because it's going to – Jordan Love is going to expose anything, you know, that you, where you have issues at. He's going to find it, and he can expose it. So, but this is good. That means they, can, they have tape of it. They can go fix it before they get into SEC play. So, to me, it, it's, a, it's the perfect matchup for LSU before we get into SEC play. Definitely. I'm, I'm excited for it. I think that uh... – you know, I think this could be the uh, this could be the, the only Aggie team um, in the nation that gives us a little trouble this year. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> a little tongue in cheek. <laughs> yep. But um, but yeah, no, I agree. I think that I I want to. I'm eager to see the secondary. I'm eager to see everybody coming off. Uh, you know, we got we were a little bit dinged up going into Vanderbilt, so I'm ready right. to see right. everybody. Uh, you know, healthy going into this game and then ready for SEC play, and. Uh, you know, it's another great another, – we're ready for another great week in LSU football. And uh, just excited to – excited we're, we're uh, contending as well as we are. I could, I could keep asking questions, but, I'll, you know, I want to respect the time, um, the time of our guest. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, I don't know. Looking – you know, let's say LSU handles business against Utah State, then you have mm-hmm. Florida, and then you also have Auburn. You know, before our before our next buy, uh, oh, in Mississippi State. Actually, that's right. We have a game at Mississippi State. Uh, so it it could be that LSU is going to have two top ten matchups before they play Alabama, and uh, you know that's that's going to be kind of grueling. Uh, but I, I think they can do it. It just you know depends if they if they stay healthy or not. But that would have to help with the, the strength of schedule. But how likely would it be that, you know, by the time they play Alabama, you know, that they're still undefeated? Like I said, I don't, I don't think uh, Florida is going to be strong enough. Uh, Auburn, it could come down to, you know, a few plays or how Bo Nix plays in a tough road environment. We'll find out this week when he goes to the Swamp, but I think Tiger Stadium would be a little bit tougher than the Swamp. Uh, so how likely do you think it will be that LSU is undefeated when they, uh, when they play Alabama in, in November? Yeah, I mean, as far as what I've seen so far, I, I think as you know, LSU's in a, a good position. But anytime you you know you play those tough teams like an Auburn, like you said, like a Florida, you, you know, sometimes it comes down like it did, like it did last year, right? I mean, Joe had to make a miraculous throw at the end of Derek Gillen and he ran it, you know, so and he had to make that last minute kick. So when you get into these games, you just you just never really know. Usually, you know. I can kind of get the feel for the game. What after about kind of that first quarter, you can kind of get a feel for oh, it's going to be a long day. Let me go buckle down, you know. Or LSU kind of takes takes out the come out the gate fast, and you know they got control. So, um, really, I'm interested to see will this offense continue to look the same and move the football against SEC opponents. That's my last question I have for this offense. Yeah, we moved it against Texas, and Texas is talented. But you guys know when you get into those environments against that talent, I just that's my last little bit of concern I have for the offenses. Will will we be able to move the ball and score points like that against a Florida, against an Auburn, against an Alabama? So that's kind of what what you know I'll be honing in on. Yeah, I think I think ever you know we're definitely uh, eager to see you know what this offense will look like against a. Uh, a more top tier defense because like you said, Texas right. is talented, but they're not, I don't, I think, I don't think anybody would argue that that defense is an SEC, you know, top tier defense. So it'll be a good test coming up. 
with both of Florida and Auburn. I'm, I, like I said, I'm very high on Auburn after that performance last night. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 sca- I'm more scared about that game um, now than I, than I was at any time during, you know, this season. Uh, I, I think if you'd asked me before the season started, you know, what game other than the Alabama game are you, more, are you most scared about? Well, I guess other than the, also other than the Texas game, I would have said, uh, I would have said the, uh, the Florida game, but now I almost think it's flipped where I'm less scared about Florida and more scared about, uh, more scared about uh, Auburn. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like I said, I said it last night, um, tweeted it out that it was just, I've, they've, they've played some good football, you know, and that's good for them. SEC, it's not good when Auburn isn't good. SEC is not good when, you know, Georgia's down, LSU's down. So I like to see it. It makes that game, you know, it's a primetime game. It's good, good for the SEC. It's good for LSU and Auburn for the program. So, you know, I, I, I'm all for it. It's going to be, it's going to be a good test. And like you mentioned about the strength of schedule, what it's going to be good for, for us is if maybe we take one loss, but that one loss is to the number three team in the country, and that's going to help later in, uh, you know, later in the season if, if we're trying to get into the playoffs. Definitely. Well, I, I, think that'll, I think that'll do it for this week. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on, Josh. Of course, you know, a friend of the pod, Josh LeMoyne, at LSU Football, or F-Ball Truth on Twitter. Uh, you know, he's the, the preeminent, uh, I would say, LSU Insider on, on Twitter right now. And so if you're not following him, go give him a follow. And uh, any, any final thoughts, or do you want to plug anything? Look, uh, I would just say as far as everybody always asks me about recruiting and stuff, look, LSU's class, just touch on that just real quick. Um, class is pretty much done, but a couple of names to keep an eye on is a running back out of Texas, Evans, uh, Doomerville, uh, the offensive tackle from Florida, He's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, Jacobian Guillory, the defensive tackle from Louisiana. Um, their class is pretty much summed up, but you, you might see a little bit of shakeup there. Um, they got room for three, three more individuals, but you actually might see five or six new names. It's attrition. Some people don't like hearing that. We might have to push a couple kids out to grab a, you know, a couple of these kids that now are showing interest because LSU has an offense. I do know from some sources close that some high-tier five-star kids who didn't have any interest in LSU are showing interest in LSU. So Coach O is going to – that's a happy balance with families and kids. Uh, so just keep an eye on that in the, in the circle of, of recruiting, that you might see this class get shaken up a little bit as some kids, some five-star talents that now are interested in coming to play some offensive football for LSU. Yeah. One, one question, just, just, and not to, not to you know, belabor the point – but there's mm-hmm. a, there for a while about a, about two weeks ago there was a little bit of talk about Raheem Jarrett uh, decommitting and going to Tennessee. Do um, you hear anything about that, or is that just smoke? No, so yeah, so I heard the um, I, I heard the you know whatever you want to call it rumors or whatever. Look, I, I haven't heard anything serious that Raheem would would leave and go to uh, go to Tennessee, go, go to Tennessee. Um, and to be honest with you, if you just look at that from a standpoint of why he would do that, that wouldn't be a good move. I mean, yeah, he could come to LSU and lead, lead the nation in, in catches and yards. And if you got an opportunity to watch Raheem Jarrett, he, in my opinion, I think he's the number one wide receiver in the country for this class. he got the footwork. He's quick. He's, he's fit. He's built well. He's like a, a Jamar Chase, but a little bit thicker, more muscle on him. Uh, and his footwork is, is unreal for the standpoint where he's at in high school. Uh, I think he would be, just looking at it, if I'm giving him guidance as a, um, as a parent or a coach, LSU and Alabama, you know, more of them spread type attacks is where he should go. I just – him to Tennessee doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I think I think most people were uh, you know we're, we're questioning that move, especially with how Tennessee's almost in the dumpster this year. But um, it was definitely it was floating around Tiger Droppings, it was floating around Twitter, and uh, so just wanted to get your take on it. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I think that I think that kind of wraps it up for us. Uh, what do you think, Scott? Okay, guys. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, before we ended episode nine, just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, number nine on LSU, Joe Burrow. Um, I know he had a bye week, so some of the stats that he was leading the country in uh, have kind of you know, diminished because of that, but it'll catch up once these other teams have a bye. But uh, our QB is still leading the nation in completion percentage, uh, and I think the yards and the tees and all that will catch up as LSU gets this game back after the bye. But... Uh, just, just amazing. Uh, I don't think, in, I don't know if anyone really anticipated this type of success, and I, I, I just, I uh, just want to marvel in that. I guess uh, I know, I know Daniel is now a believer when before he wasn't necessarily. Uh, but just wanted to give a shout out to number nine on episode nine. And with that, uh, any any final thoughts for you, Daniel? Nope, that's it. Burr for life, and uh, go Tigers. Yeah. All right, uh, with that, that'll do it. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Josh, at LSU Football Truth. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. We'll have a game uh, to talk about by then when LSU plays Utah State. Uh, but we will talk to you then on Talking Tigs. Talking Tigs.